going to multitask while you're doing the offering. I want to um, give a reminder of what we're doing this series right now, Hero Makers. For those who are new or haven't been here before, uh, our senior pastor who's in Russia right now has, has been leading us through a process of teaching um, the mindset of being a hero maker. The whole idea is we're not called to just be hero. We're not called just to exercise our gifts and our talent and our abilities. We're, we're called, a greater call than being a hero is to be a hero maker. In other words, for us, our perspective, our mindset should be going out to other people and make them heroes. And that's really a mindset we need to have. And we went through several different steps to get to that mindset. We talk about a multiplication thinking. Remember, thinking instead of a, a, a subtraction or division, which is in the devil's uh, math class, we, we need to think first in terms of addition, and then we grow to multiplication thinking. Then we talk about permission giving, which is going up to people and practice I see in you, calling out the gift and the calling and anointing each other. And last week we talked about disciple multiplying. There's a verse I want to throw up there in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 8. Paul's talking. He says, we love you so much that we share with you not only God's good news, but our own lives as well. The whole idea is when we share, when we mentor, when we disciple, when we hero make, we're not just doing it out from the heart of curriculum building. We're not just giving information. We're actually pouring our lives to each other. We're sharing experience. You know, in my, from my experience, I realized that when I pour out the deepest thing of my heart to someone else, I'm pouring out the deepest wounds, the deepest healing, the deepest uh, experience, the deepest transformation in my heart, that's when true intimacy is revealed. And I realized intimacy is a powerful thing. You think about what is intimacy? Intimacy is basically taking your, your mask off and letting, them, letting others know who you truly are. It turns out intimacy is very, very powerful. It's very healing. It's very empowering. So when we give our lives to each other, we're pouring out intimacy into them, and then we're empowering them to become heroes. And today, we're going to talk about something that I'm super excited about, which is gift activation. Gift activation. Now, when we think about gifts, okay, this is what I think about. This is just my mind. I think about I mean, honestly, the first thing I think about is Spider-Man. I think about with great powers comes great. Okay, the three 15-year-olds knew that line. Come on, you guys know the movie. Great power comes great responsibility. That's what I think about. I think about, I mean, I think about superhero. Now, superhero is a billion-dollar business right now in America, right, and throughout the world. The last Avengers movie made over $2 billion, okay? What that tells me is that Everybody, I don't care how old you are, what country you're from, where you live, wants to be a superhero. Who, who wants to be a superhero in here? I mean, honestly, you want superhero powers. Come on. If, if you don't want superhero powers, okay, never mind. Um, you know, I always want a superhero power. I never grew out of it. Even now, I want, to ha- I want to be a superhero. I want superhero powers. There's something about using your powers that's been given to you um, to beat the bad guy, to save the world, to be powerful, to be strong, to be useful, to be activated, and all that stuff. While that is meaningful and that's great, you know what's a greater calling? It's linking up with other superheroes, right? Locking arms with other superheroes, all achieving a purpose together to accomplish something you cannot do on your own. Each achieving a specific task to save not just the world, but the universe, okay? And I'm not just talking about the Avengers movie. I'm actually talking about the vision for the church. 
God wants to activate the gift in all of us individually, but that's not enough. He wants to activate the gift in all of us and for us to activate the gift in each other, for us to lock on with each other and accomplish powerful purposes together. And that is fun. And that is, that is God's kingdom. That's God's will for us. And that's the context to which I'm going to share about gift activation is all of us becoming empowered by the gift that's been given to us, locking arms and achieving something together for, the, for God's purpose. So for us to activate the gift in each other, we got to do a couple things first. first. First of all, we need to identify and activate the gift in ourselves first. Okay? If you have not have the gift inside you activated, it, it's hard for you to go and activate and mentor other people. Does that make sense? Right? It's hard to coach a football team if you have never played football before. Okay? It's hard to activate and mentor other people in their gifting unless your gift has been activated, has been trained, has been processed. So I'm going to talk about three different steps today. I'm going to talk about identifying the gifts and abilities in you, in yourself. I'm going to talk about activating and training those gifts. And finally, I'm going to talk about activating the gift in others. Okay? Three simple points. But before we get to that, I want to talk about kingdom gifts. Now, kingdom gifts is different from worldly gifts. Okay? So just a couple pointers. First of all, um, you might have the question, and you might be thinking, you might be tuning me out already. You're saying to yourself, I don't have any gifts. I don't have any ability. Or at least I don't have any Christian gift or church gifts. Let's go to our text in Ephesians chapter 4. Paul's saying, however, he has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. He has given each one of us a special gift. So I don't care who you are. I don't, what, I don't care what background you're from, your educational status. It does not matter. God has given every single one of you a special gift. See, this is, a, this is a game changer right here. When you look at people, are you saying, hey, you know what? I wonder what gift God has given this person. Because the scripture says clearly God has given every single person at least one, if not more. Many of you, many more gifts from Jesus Christ. We need to start thinking like that in terms of the gifts that God has given to each other. This is why the scripture says, when he, talking about Jesus, ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. Now continues in verse 11. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility, in other words, the use of these gifts is to do this. Equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ, and continue and so forth. Talking about how when we use our gifts, we can be solid in our teaching, solid in our foundation. We can all work together to develop and to advance the kingdom of God. So a couple things about gifts. First of all, you do not earn your gifts. Okay? You do not earn your gift. In other words, you cannot get cocky or boast about your gift. Okay? Who gets to boast about it? The person who gave the gift or the person who received the gift? Right? The person who gave the gifts. Anyone gets to boast is God. We don't get to boast about our gifts. Second of all, your gifts are not your identity. And that's something we face all the time in our culture today. People so identify themselves with their gifts. Right? The problem with that is that when you start identifying, relating people to their gifts, you start comparing yourself to people. You start looking at people through the filter of their giftings. Instead of looking at them through the, through the filter of their main the image and likeness of Christ, you're saying, well, they're gifted, so they're valuable. And this guy's not so gifted, so they're not valuable. 
And you start comparing yourself to people. So I go to someone who's more gifted than me, and I'm like, man, I feel so insecure because his gifting is greater than mine. And so I go find people who are less gifted than me, and I say, you know what? I feel so good about myself because I'm more gifted than them. Right? That's through the filter that we start to value. We start to find our identity in our gifting. The other problem when we start identifying with our gifting is that we start worshiping the gift and not the gift giver. Okay? Here's this easy example. If I gave my son an awesome toy, if I gave him a PS4, and he started worshiping the PS4, okay, he started obeying the PS4, he started to answer the call of the PS4 and not me, what am I going to do? As a good father, what am I going to do? That PS4 is gone until he's ready for it. And I feel the, Lord, the word of the Lord this morning is some of you are starting to worship the gift that God's given you, and God's in the process of trying to free you from this PS4. He's trying to bless you by freeing this PS4 until the time you're ready for, but you're fighting, holding on. You see it as a curse where it's supposed to be a blessing. That's just free advice. We'll move on. The next point, gifts are not toys. The gift from God are not toys. I have this quote up there. From Chronicles of Narnia, um, I'm not going to read it right now for the sake of time. Um, but there's a difference between toys and tools. Your gifts are not toys; they are tools. Gifts are for your, I mean, toys are for are for your entertainment. Okay, tools are for a specific purpose. Toys are for your fun, entertainment. Tools are for a specific purpose. Toys are for little boys and girls. Tools are for men and women of God. Does that make sense? The gift that God gave us are not toys, they're tools. How about this one? The ultimate gift, purpose of the gift is not for you. See, this is confusing for us. Because in our culture, when someone gives you a gift, that's for you, right? It's your birthday, here's a birthday cake. Oh, here's my birthday cake. You bought the birthday cake, but it's my birthday, so you get to eat my cake. You're welcome to eat my cake even though you bought it. Because we think our gifts are for us. That's not how the kingdom of God works. When you are given a gift, the gift is not for you. The Bible says very clearly for establishing the church, advancing God's kingdom, okay, is for equipping and training God's people. The gift is not for you. In other words, the gifts are for you to make heroes, okay. The next point, there is an accountability for our gifting. God actually expects a return for our gifting. You guys are very familiar with the parable of the talents, right? I'm just going to read a couple of verse of it. So there's this master. He's about to go away. So he brought in three servants or three, yeah, three servants. Then he gave them each different talents. He gave one five, he gave one two, and gave one, one talent. And the five went away and invested his money. He flipped the home, whatever. He made five more talents. The three made three more talents. And the one, instead of investing that money, he took that talent and he buried it. So check out what happens when the master came back and he called up his servants. He said this to the, to the, to the servant with the five talents. He said, well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter the joy of the Lord. He said the same thing to the person with three talents. And then he called in the one with one talents. Check out what he says. He said, Lord... I knew, you, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not gathered seed. In other words, he's saying, Master, I know you want to return on your money. I know you want to return on your talent. Okay? And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. There 
look there, this is, you have what is yours. And the Lord's response is, you wicked and lazy servant. Then he said, take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. And we're going to come back to his response. It's interesting, he says, I was afraid and I hid these talents. But it turns out that God holds us accountable for the gifting that he gave us. Now, it's interesting because I thought about this through a financial perspective. You know, for those who are money savvy out there, what's generally a good return of your money? Like if you put your money in the stock market, at the end of the year, what's generally a good return? Anybody have any idea? 7%. Anybody else? I mean, I, I Googled it. They said a great return is 15% after capital gain tax is about 11%. Okay? Now, that's obviously in the start market. If you put in something a little riskier, you might get 20% return of your money. I mean, if you get 20% return of your money, that's pretty darn good. Okay? But imagine you're a financial advisor and this guy came and says, I expect yeah, if I give you five talents, I expect five talents back. What, what kind of return is that? 100% return. Okay? No financial advisor wants that guy coming to your office and saying, hey, I expect 100% return on your money. God is a demanding investor, and he holds us accountable for the talent he's given us. You know, it's interesting because I, I went to the Lord. I thought about that. I, I said, I said to him, how can I give 100% return of me? It's just me, okay? What can I do? How can I, you gave me one, I need to give two back to you. How can I give two back to you? How can we do that? And the Lord started downloading to me. He says, the only way you can give two back to me is that you take what you have and you pass it on to someone else. You replicate yourself. You replicate yourself. In other words, you become a hero maker. So the only way we can truly give 100% return back to God, and even more, is we don't become heroes ourselves, that we become hero makers. Turns out embedded in this message, parable of talent, God's saying, you can't do it on your own. you got to become a hero maker. Isn't that cool? First time I thought about it like that. But the bottom line is God expects us to have a good return on the gift and the talents he's given us. But let's get real practical, okay? How do we properly steward this gift that God's given us? Well, first of all, you got to identify your own gifts, okay? For some of you, you might think, hey, I don't have any gift. Uh, I, I barely know, been to church, haven't been to Sunday school. I have no idea where to even start. I'm talking to you today, okay? How do you begin this process? How do you identify those gifts? This is my advice to you. The first part, you need to be in community. You need to be in life giving relationships, okay? It's hard for me to practice I see in you. It's hard for me to call out the gifting and abilities in you, okay, when I don't know you. That's just the bottom line. You got to get to know each other. When you start serving, when you start being in relationship with one another, you can start calling out the gift in one another, okay? So the, the, the most practical thing to begin this process is to be in life-giving relationship. You know, throughout those last couple weeks, I have several different men come up to me and says, um, I'd love to be in the process. I want to serve more. I want to get involved more. I want to do more things. Uh, I'm ready to serve. I want to I grow. Great. Okay? This is where you start. Get plugged in the life group. Get to know us relationally. Get to know our culture. We want to get to know you. Okay? The second thing you can do is just to start serving. You know, there's a myth that says you can only or you should only serve in your gifting or in your, in your expertise. 
or in the place or your sweet spot. That's absolutely not true. The reason for this is this. When you are serving, you're not just learning what you're good at. You're also learning what you're not good at. That's part of the learning process. Now, for those of you who are kind of new and haven't been here for that long, it turns out that a couple years ago, it feels like yesterday, a couple years ago, I was, me, moi, was actually the director of the worship team, believe it or not. Now, there's me who I can barely play the guitar. I can't sing. Um, during that time, I didn't even listen to music. Believe, I mean, honest truth. I, whenever I listen to whatever, working out, whatever, I listen to a sermon on podcast. I didn't even listen to music. It would be so funny. These worship leaders come to me and say, I found this great new song by blah, blah, blah. And I'll be like, who? Who's that? I don't know any of these worship leaders. I don't know any song. I can't tell the difference between Hillsong or Bethel or whatever. I mean, I was totally out of it. But there was an opportunity for me to serve in that capacity. You know what? I learned so much from there. I learned how to be a leader. I learned how to serve other people. But you know what else I learned? I learned that, you know what, I should probably not in the long run be a worship director. <laughs> I learned that music is really not my gifting. You can learn, and you can learn so many things serving, whether it's in your sweet spot or not. So you know what, you want to get involved, you want to get plugged in, you want to learn about your gifting, identify your gifting, just start serving. There's so many opportunities for you to serve as a greeter, helping out with children's ministry. If you want to get interested, get involved in serving, come talk to, come to this Connection Center, come talk to me, opportunity to serve. Just put yourself out there and you start discovering what you're good at and what you're not called to do. I've heard part of growing up learning is not just learning what you're good at, it's really learning what you're not good at. And, that's, and you can't do that until you start serving. So you start identifying your gifts, okay. Uh, you can take some spiritual assessments online. Uh, some of them are free, some of them are not. You get a better idea of what you're good at, what your spiritual gifting is. The next thing you want to do, step two, is training and exercise. You want to train and exercise those gifts that God's given you. Now, I want to be clear about this. What I am not saying is that once you identify your gift, you come to church leadership and you say, you know what, I'm here. It's time for me to showcase my gifting. Give me a platform for me to showcase my gift. That's not what I'm saying. So, Pastor Ron, if you listen to the podcast, what I'm not saying is someone identify the gift is preaching to come to you and say, hey, I'm ready next week to preach. Put me up, coach. I am not saying that. The purpose of the church is not to give you a platform for you to display your gift. Okay, is that clear? The purpose of the church is, I wrote this down so I can be clear. It's to discern, train, equip, and activate the gift in you in due time. In due time. Paul says this in 1 Timothy chapter 5. He says, never be in a hurry about pointing a church leader. Do not share in the sins of others. Keep yourself pure. The Living Bible Translation, I like it. He says, never be in a hurry about choosing a pastor. You may overlook his sins. and It will look as if you approve of them. What Paul's saying is this. Get to know people. Bottom line, get to know people. Get to know their culture. Let them get to know your culture. Get to know people. This is why Bishop, our founding pastor, says to people, when people say, say I want to get involved, he says, hey, just hang out for about six months. Come talk to me again in six months. Okay? We want to get to know you. We want to know what's in your heart. We want you to get to know me. You know, some of you guys know my testimony. I came from uh, Richmond, Virginia. And though many of you don't know this, when I came here, I was, by world standard, considered a seasoned minister. 
I've been missionary for two years overseas. Uh, I preached in different arenas. I, I led over conferences. I was a, a deacon or elder at the church I came from. I've been ministering since I was 15 years old back in college. I'm a pastor's kid. Been to Sunday school my whole entire life. But when I came here, I lived in Pastor Ron's basement for four years. And I just sat. And I just got to know people. And during that time, I served. Don't get me wrong. I folded socks. I did dishes. Um, I served in the church. But it wasn't until four or five or six years later until I actually came onto leadership. And I'm not saying that's the process for everyone, five, six years and so forth, but that was my process. And I was living in our senior pastor's basement, and he got to know me, and I got to know him. Slow down. Take your time. Just get to know each other, okay? Relationship is important. We want to get to know you. The bottom line is this. When you want to train and hone your gifting, is that the development of your gifting must align with the development of your character. Development of your gifting must align with the development of your character. You know, I heard someone say this. I can't remember who. It might have been myself. Um, if your gift is the engine of your car, your character is the steering wheel that drives the car. Okay? In other words, you might have a powerful, powerful engine. You have a car that can go 0 to 60 in under 3 seconds. Powerful gifting. Everyone knows that you know it. However, your character is tiny, tiny steering wheel. All that means is you're going to dry off the road quicker than everyone else. You're going to go off the ditch quicker than everyone else. There needs to be development of your character with your gifting. And it's part of church leadership to help you with that process so you won't drive off the road. I love what Christine King said about gifting or developing character. She says, to help someone develop character... I will give them seemingly insignificant, invisible, unacknowledged, unapplauded, unrecognizable job so that they learn that everything is important. It is by doing what nobody wants to do, you end up doing what everyone wants to do. Check that out. Imagine using that line in your job interview. <laughs> in order to get to this job, you need to do something that nobody wants to do, that unapplauded, unrecognized, so that you can get to a place in which you can do what everyone wants to do. You also have to learn this important principle that God is the one that promotes you. See, I learned this a long time ago. If you count on people, you count on me, you count on pastor to promote you, you will be bitterly disappointed. Okay? Paul says this. God, I'm sorry, Paul, Peter, Peter in 1 Peter chapter 5. He says, God opposes the proud but give grace to the humble. So humble yourself under the mighty power of God and at the right time he will lift you up in honor. See, the mentality behind this is very simple. Peter is saying, the person who gave you the gift is God. Do you truly believe he wants to activate the gift in you greater than you want to activate it yourself? If you truly believe that, you allow yourself to be patient and wait on God to exalt you in due time. Don't trust yourself to say, hey, I'm ready. Hey, I'm ready. I'm ready. Because you might not know. You can't tell your character. Allow God to be the one that, that promotes you. See, I've learned this the hard way. If I try to promote myself, I quickly, quickly fall. But when God promotes you in due time, no force in this world can tear you down. But you need to be patient. Let God finish his work to build character in you. And this last part I want to say about the activation of the gift is in Paul's exhortation for Timothy. In, first, in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6, Paul says this. This is why I remind you to fan into flame the spiritual God gave you when I laid my hands on you. And that's what I want to encourage you today. Paul's saying, this gift I gave you, 
Don't hoard it. Don't hide it in the basement. Fan to the flame. Fan to flame. Fan to flame. Use this. Use this gift. But then he says this. He says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. The conversion sound mind. Now, we use that verse quite a bit. You know, we say, hey, for God's not giving us a spirit of timidity in this, so be courageous and be, have power and so forth. I use that all the time. But this is the first time I read that verse in the context of what Paul's saying. Paul's saying, hey, activate your gift. Fan the fans of your gift. Use your gift. Activate your gift. The world needs your gift. God gave you a gift for a reason. Use it. It's powerful. But then he immediately says, you know what? You're going to face fear and timidity. You're going to face fear and timidity. Remember the parable of the towns we talked about earlier? When that servant with the one talent, he says, because I know you want accountability for your gift. Therefore, I was afraid and I buried it in my backyard. I buried it in the backyard. You know, I was thinking about this. If one day I went to my mailbox and opened up that mailbox, and all of a sudden in the mailbox was the cure to cancer. The cure to cancer. They found it somehow in my mailbox. What do I do? Uh, I can easily say, oh, I'll use it and give it to the world and just heal everybody. But the reality, if it really happened, I'll be scared. I'll be fearful. I'm thinking, do I really want this publicity? Okay, what happened if people want to steal and kill and, and people want to rob me of this? Now I'm on the center of the map and all this attention. Do I really want all that? And there's a temptation in all of us to take that box, the cure for cancer, and move to our basement and put it on the shelf and pretend it never came. And that's what we do with our gifts sometimes. We know it's powerful. We know it's deep inside. But you know what comes with the gift? It's enemies saying, hey, don't use it. Don't use it. You'll draw too much attention. you got to work on it. Fear and timidity. Fear and timidity. Voices that come to you and say, hey, you're not worthy of it. You're just going to fail. You're going to waste this gift. You're going to let people down. It's not going to happen. It's not going to work. And what Paul is saying, if you, fear, <laughs> if you face those voices, if you hear those voices saying, talking to you, calling fear to you, timidity to you, all it's saying is you're on the right track. That God is trying to activate the gift in you. That you're not, this is not a coincidence. In fact, if you don't fear, face those fear and timidity, you might be activating the wrong gifts. But if your calling is to pour out that gift that God put in your heart, and you feel fear, and you feel unworthiness, and failure, and all these different things coming to you, you might be on the right track. And I'll be real here, it's hard for us to overcome those thoughts. I remember when I was first called to become, uh, literally called from pastor to, do the, to be the worship director, I was quaking in my boots. I don't know if people knew that, but I remember going to bed that night, waking up with a nightmare that I became the worship director, and waking up the next day realizing that wasn't a nightmare, that was true. I mean, that's how, how scared I was of that. I mean, I didn't know anything setting up stage, plugging things in the guitar, all these different things. I had to manage people I had no, no real relationship with. There was fear and timidity. But I knew that God was trying to train me. I was answering a call. But during that time, what we need is we need hero makers. We need hero makers to come along us and say, you can do it. I trust you. I believe in you. I see the gifting in you. So we move to the third step of our journey is after we activate, we identify, activate the gift in us. We become hero makers for others. I want to show this five-minute uh, YouTube clip. Go ahead. It's powerful, right? So I don't watch TV. I, British Got Talent, American Got Talent, there's so many talent shows. I don't, stuff like that, I'm just like, I don't watch any of that. Um, 
stay off social media. I don't know anything about it. So you guys, have anybody seen this before? Um, Sherry is one who actually, Sherry D is one who told me about it. And I watched it. Again, I'm like kind of skeptical when I, you know, whatever. And I watched it. I started tearing up my office. I kept watching it over and over and over and over again. I'm like, what's going on inside of my heart? Why is this touching me so deeply? And I realized the Lord is saying, inside all of us, there's a Jonathan. That there's a deep sense of gifting inside our hearts. And you know it. You know it deep in your heart. But it might be buried under hurts and wounds. It might be buried under your exterior. Buried under your failures. But God put that in you. It's burned your heart. You don't know what to do with it. And you're crying out. You're just saying, hey, would someone be my hero maker? Will someone be my Charlotte who's going to come alongside and say, hey, let's do this together? You're going to have those people who's going to roll your eyes in the audience. And just my, I thought to myself, if I ever get to, went to one of those game shows, I got to be careful to never roll my eyes because you never know what's going to get caught on camera. But we're looking for, I mean, that's a picture of a hero maker, isn't it? Where someone come along and say, hey, you know, I see past the exterior. I see past what this culture says. I see deep in the gifting that's inside of you. That's what a hero maker is. They have a powerful ability, a mindset. I don't want to say ability, but the mindset to see what no one else can see and what no one else wants to see. There's cynics out there. There's skeptics out there. There are hero destroyers out there, Christians. But then there are hero makers who are like Chip and Joanne, fixer upper, can go into the house. They can go into the house, they can see the, the galley kitchen, the horrible wallpaper, the, the carpet in the bathroom. And they say, hey, you know, you got to see past all of this. Because this can be a beauty, this can be a gem. But it's that mentality of a hero maker. You're like a talent scout, you have that nose to sniff out talent. You can see that gifting and you want to call that out. But to see the difference is you don't just call out the gifting. You say to them, you say, you know what? I'm here. I'm going to take ownership of training you. I'm going to take ownership of making you a hero. Because we don't need people just to call out the gifting. We need people who's going to walk aside of people, of heroes and say, hey, hey, I've been through this journey you've been through. I, I know the pain. I know the loneliness. I know the timidity and the fear you're going to face. Because I've been through it all. And in that process, I have hero makers who came along me and loved me to life and encouraged me and spoke truth to me in the midst of all of that. And that's how I made it. And I want to be that for you. And that's what a hero maker is. I remember the times when I lived in Pastor Ron's basement. You know, I wasn't a young, I was 28 years old, and there was just lonely, lonely. I knew they were gifting me. I know they were passing inside my heart. I know a calling inside my heart. And I felt like I was stuck in a job. I don't get to use it. I'm stuck in the basement. And every day, I just, I'm, I just feel like I'm lost. I don't know where I'm going. And I have my hero makers, Pastor Ron on one side and Pastor Mary on the other side and Bishop and Pastor Carol. And I will go up to Pastor Ron and say, Pastor Ron, am I missing it? Am I missing it? Am I doing something wrong? I can't see. I can't see for myself. And he will simply say, you're on the right track. You're on the right track. See, I don't need to see the light in the tunnel. I just need to know that I'm still walking. And that's what a hero maker does. He comes along and you say, hey, you're on the right track. You're on the right track. And that's what we need today. And just for the remainder of time, I want to make three invitations. I want to first invite those 
who don't know Jesus, who you know there's a great gift inside you, but you've been using it for your own selfish purpose. You've been using it to entertain yourself. You've been giving a tool, but you've been using it as a toy. Because you don't know who this tool is supposed to use to serve. If you don't know Jesus, okay, when we have the altar open, I'm going to have some leaders up there to pray for us. Come on up and pray with someone. And the second invitation is for those who you know, you see that you feel the burning gift in your heart, but like Jonathan, you feel timid. You feel scared. You don't know how to use it. You have failed before and you think you're going to fail again. But you just want to acknowledge to God that you're ready to activate your gift and you want to take the next step. The last invitation I want to give is to those who has been through this path of loneliness, the path of fire, the path of the valley of shallow death. And you come out on the other side, your gift is activated, and you're ready to become a hero maker, but you're not sure how. But you feel burning desire inside your heart to pour your life into the next generation. Now the reason I'm inviting you to come up and pray with us is to acknowledge what happened. See, the devil comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And the Lord might be speaking to your heart right now, but once you walk out of here, the enemy is going to steal your joy, steal what the Lord says, steal that seed. I don't want to stop that from happening. That's why if, if that's you today, the Lord is speaking to your heart. I want you to come on up and pray with somebody. Just acknowledge what God is saying to your heart. See, this is what the Lord's heart this morning is. He's saying to me, he's saying to you, he has deposited in every single one of you such powerful, game-changing gift that the world needs, that the church needs, that your neighbors need. You might not be able to see it, but he sees it. He bought it. He paid for the blood of Christ. He understands how valuable that is. And he's inviting you today to say, hey, go downstairs to that basement. Find that box, that unmarked box that's on the shelf that you want to forget. Activate it. Take it out. It's going to take courage. But there will be hero makers who come along to you and say, hey, let's activate this together. Amen. Let's start worshiping the sun. These leaders, come on up.